The winner of this game, whether it be the Washington Huskies or the Oregon Ducks, is likely a lock to reach the college football playoff. It's just that simple. Oregon is the highest-ranked one-loss team. They're ahead of 11-1 Ohio State at number 6, 11-1 Texas at number 7, and 11-1 Alabama at 8. Oregon, in spite of having the weakest strength of schedule out of themselves, Alabama, Texas, and Ohio State, are ranked the highest, and a win here against number 3 Washington will only boost their strength of schedule. And there is a chance that with a loss, if enough chaos happens, Washington could find themselves in the playoff with a loss. So this, much like Ohio State versus Michigan, who are a part of the same conference that Oregon and Washington will be joining next season, welcome to the Big Ten Huskies and Ducks. This is a quarterfinal game, in a sense, for the final four-team playoff. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. And do me and this community a big favor by hitting that subscribe button, if you will, and clicking the notification bell. We're trying to reach 20,000 subscribers by the end of the 2023 college football season. And it is an ambitious goal, but I think we can do it while covering the college football playoff, championship week, talking about the transfer portal, and talking about the Big Ten. This is the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube, period, amen. Give this video a like as well, a thumbs up, and in the comment section below, give me your thoughts, analysis, preview, prediction, everything that you have, because there is a great chance that you see something that I don't see. And once again, I want to welcome Oregon fans and Washington fans to the Big Ten. I have made videos about some of your program's games this season. I have made individual videos focusing in on your specific team, both in the regular season and the preseason for 2023. And I am excited to cover your teams in so much greater detail beginning in 2024 and moving forward. I love the Big Ten. I know that you all are familiarizing yourself with the Big Ten, and I think I've done a decent job of familiarizing myself with USC, UCLA, but more importantly, Oregon and Washington, because in the preseason, I was higher on these two teams than I was on USC, and obviously, I think UCLA, as was most people. And I picked Washington to go to the college football playoff. In the preseason, I had Oregon ranked in the top 10, and I thought that they would go 11-2 and and improve off of a 10-3 and season. And now here we are. Oregon already has their 11th win of the season. They're 11-1. Washington has their 12th win of the season. They're 12-0. I thought that Washington would lose a regular season game and lose in the playoffs, and finish with a 12-2 record. I thought that Oregon would lose two regular season games to Washington and on the road at Utah. They beat Utah. I also had Washington losing to Utah. I didn't expect that Cameron Rising would be out for the whole season, and I thought that Utah would be a healthier team. That never happened. That helped pave the road for this rematch, where, based off of how both the Ducks and the Huskies looked, when they matched up against each other, 
in about the middle of the season, I stated the opinion that I thought these two teams would rematch for the Pac-12 championship game. And now here we are. Win and you're in the playoff. It is just that simple. And both teams, I think, know that. Before we get any further as well, one last request. If you want to support the channel and gain some access to bonus content, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and in the pinned comment. I don't have merchandise for Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA yet, but sometime in the 2024 preseason, I will have shirts with the College Football with Sam logo in Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC colors available on my merchandise store. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. Win and you're in. These two teams, I think, are top five teams, although I will come out just and say I think Oregon's better than Washington right now. That's why Oregon is given around a 75% chance to win, according to ESPN's FPI. Oregon has the better scoring offense. They have the better scoring defense. Oregon has the more efficient quarterback. Bo Nix has passed for less interceptions and more touchdowns and more yards than Michael Penix has. Oregon has the far more effective rushing offense. Oregon has the better defense. Oregon is a nearly double-digit favorite to win this game. And yet Washington beat them. Washington didn't just play this team close. Washington beat this team. They outcoached this team. And here we are. And this is fascinating to me. Not that Oregon's favored, because I came away from the Oregon-Washington game thinking that Oregon in a certain way outplayed Washington, but Washington outcoached them in response and with home field advantage, that was enough to win. What I am shocked by is the magnitude at which Oregon is favored, and the perception that even I have about these two teams. In my own top 25, which I haven't released a top 25 in the past few weeks because I think it's relatively unimportant, my own top 25 doesn't really matter. What matters is the college football playoffs, top 25, and before then the AP polls top 25. Top 25 lists get less and less important and less and less interesting as the season goes on. That's why preseason top 25s are much more fun. Throughout the season, though, power rankings are really what's more important, and I've tried to develop a power ranking system that in the preseason had Washington much higher than Oregon, and I'm trying to automate that system, make it easier on myself and also more accurate, but it was above 50% against the spread, about 75% in predicting straight-up winners or money line in betting terms. And originally, Washington was much higher than Oregon, but every game, every game that the power ranking system, also known as potential power, processed, Oregon shot up. Washington stayed relatively similar or trended down. I don't know exactly the potential power rankings as they stand because the system's still down and I'm trying to fix it and automate it and make it better. It'll be available starting in 2024, which is delayed, but some things happened, life happens. I can only imagine how much my own power ranking system would be favoring Oregon right now because they're the better team analytically, and they have been much more dominant in their performances against common opponents. Oregon boat raced Arizona State. 
Oregon only beat USC by nine, but they dominated USC in a way that Washington didn't. Oregon mangled California. They destroyed Utah, a team that Washington had to pull away late from. They played always one or two steps ahead of Cameron Ward in Washington State. Meanwhile, Washington had to come away with a late field goal. Oregon dominated Stanford. Washington struggled with Stanford. Oregon also dominated Oregon State. Washington struggled with them. And I know there are some different circumstances. Washington, Washington State's a rivalry. There's a different intensity in that game. And Oregon State already knew their head coach was out the door when they played Oregon. So there's some different factors. But Oregon is second in scoring offense. They're seventh in scoring defense. Washington is 11th in scoring offense and 48th in scoring defense. Those are pretty jarring numbers. Oregon's first in passing yards per game and 24th in rushing yards per game. Washington is second in passing yards per game and 105th in rushing yards per game. Again, different numbers. Oregon is clearly ahead. But Washington won. And if they won then, they can definitely win again definitely can. That's in the realm of possibility, and that's why we're making a preview and prediction video here. Oregon's the decisively better team, but Washington, I think, is the decisively better matchup, and it's a matchup that isn't just by the build of the different teams. It's by the schematic choices of the different staffs. This game will be played in Allegiant Stadium. About 65% of my audience picked Oregon to win, about 1,300 people. 35% of my audience picked Washington to win, about 700 people. Oregon is third in FPI, only behind number one Ohio State and number two Michigan. Washington is 13th. They're rated lower than Florida State in FPI, although Florida State can't take into account, or FPI can't take into account, rather, that Florida State's quarterback, Jordan Travis, is sadly out for the season. But it is what it is. I think that FPI has been more impressed with Florida State on a basis of their defensive play. And I think Florida State has this level of balance on offense that Washington doesn't necessarily have. But Washington's been getting better. Their rushing attack's been more established. And they find ways to win. The way they are winning is not a fluke. And at some point, it looked like that might have been the case. But... They have a good coaching staff. Kalen DeBoer is a great head coach, great offensive schemer. Ryan Grubb is phenomenal as well. And Jamarcus Shepard, their wide receivers coach, and I believe passing game coordinator, he's great as well. This wide receiver core for Washington, he's also an associate head coach as well. Their wide receiver core is phenomenal, and it shouldn't surprise anyone because they had a stable of talented wide receivers in Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan when Kalen DeBoer took over as head coach. And Jamarcus Shepard helped develop Charlie Jones, Rondale Moore, and several great Purdue wide receivers during his time there. Well, not Charlie Jones. He was at Washington when Jones was at Purdue. But Rondale Moore prime example, and several other receivers for the Purdue Boilermakers as well. So Washington's staff is great. Oregon's staff, I think, is great as well. You have Tosh Lupoy as defensive coordinator, 
Will Stein, he's, I think, a finalist for the Broyles Award at Offensive Coordinator, and you can see why this offense has improved by a pretty fair margin along with the defense compared to last year's respective unit. And Dan Lanning is getting better as a head coach every week because he's so inexperienced as a head coach, just from the basis of being a CEO. Every week he coaches another game, there's just that much more percentage of an improvement because he's he's soaking up as much experience as he can. And he came in as a great CEO, despite not having experience as one, because that's how good of a system that he was in at Georgia and also previously at Alabama when he was an assistant. And more so than the system that Kirby Smart established, it speaks to how hard of a worker he is and how intelligent Dan Lanning is. Neutral site game, that's part of the reason why Oregon's such a big favorite, because Washington's home field advantage is underrated. The Ducks are given a 78 or 75.8% chance to win. Oregon's favored by 9.5 points. ESPN's FPI would set this game at about a 9-point favorite for Oregon. The matchup advantage that Washington has decisively in this game is their willingness to only pass the football, and they're pretty good at it. They can do relating back to Jamarcus Shepard at Purdue, they can do what Jeff Brom at Purdue did, which is they will pass the ball to chew clock. They will pass the ball to control the game, not just to run up the score on you, not just to tear your defense apart. They will control the game and work your pass defense like a good rush offense would work your defense, controlling the clock, tiring you out, etc. They can do that. Not too many teams can pass to establish game control. You typically run to establish game control and pass to establish explosive plays. Washington can do both. And Oregon's weakness defensively is their secondary. Now, you could hit me back with, but Washington's secondary isn't all that good, and Oregon has Troy Franklin and Tez Johnson. Well, you could say that. But Troy Franklin is one elite wide receiver. Tez Johnson is great, but I don't think he's at the level that Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan, when all of them are healthy, are. And I think that Washington's offense and passing game is schemed better and is more efficient than Oregon's passing attack. But Oregon can run the football. They keep defenses honest at a better rate because they're not so one-dimensional. So, The matchups in this game are interesting, but I think that they go to Washington because Washington's advantage on defense is like Oregon's. It's in the trenches, especially on the defensive line. Oregon's more pass rush. I think Washington has strength at defensive tackle, and Oregon will want to run the football. They will want to establish the run, and I think Washington can do a pretty decent to good job of defending the run their weaknesses in defending the pass. Meanwhile, Washington will want to run the football to keep Oregon honest, but that's the only reason they want to run the football. They will pass for as many times as they think is necessary or perhaps more than what is necessary to maximize their chances at winning this game. Again, win and you're in. You're in the college football playoff. It's just that simple. And wouldn't it be poetic... For Oregon, they 
were in the inaugural playoff, and they can be a part of the last four-team playoff. And for Washington, for them to beat Oregon twice, they'd have one of the strongest strength of schedules, strength of records in the country. In my mind, they would have an argument to be number one based off of that alone. And they go to the playoff two times while keeping their hated rival out. That would be fascinating. So there's a lot on the line here. There's a lot on the line, both from a future standpoint, college football playoff, from a pride standpoint, winning the final Pac-12 championship game and beating your rival. There's a lot on the line, and that's what makes it beautiful. And the matchups, I'm curious to see which passing offense takes advantage of the opposing pass defense better. Because Bo Nix has been the better quarterback, the superior quarterback, compared to Michael Penix. I know I'm not previewing the position groups yet, but I want to jump in just briefly and talk about the fact that Bo Nix is a 91.1 QBR, which is second nationally. Penix is an 82.8 QBR, which is 10th nationally. He has fallen down the quarterback efficiency ranking system for quite some time. He has a 163.3 passer rating. Bo Nix has a 189.8 passer rating. None of them, statistically, whether by QBR or passer rating, are what Jaden Daniels is. I think Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman. I think no result, barring Bo Nix or Penix passing for 1,000 yards in a game in this game, should change that. But that's just my personal opinion. Bo Nix will probably be in New York based off of the fact that he's chasing 40 passing touchdowns. He's only thrown two interceptions, and he's chasing 4,000 passing yards. He's a phenomenal quarterback. And in the preseason, part of the reason I had Oregon improving despite their losses at offensive line and defense was that they were bringing in Will Stein. And Will Stein helped develop Frank Harris at UTSA who was a top 25 quarterback in my mind entering this season. And he's helped bring Bo Nix to even greater heights than we saw last season when he drastically improved from his time at Auburn. Penix is a better quarterback than he was last season. He's averaging nearly an extra yard per pass attempt. He's completing about the same amount of passes. And he has a higher passer rating. But he's also passing for less attempts per game than he was last season. And he has fallen off, really, ever since that Oregon game when he looked dinged up. He hasn't been the same player, and I don't know if that's because of injury or why that is exactly. But this is a battle of quarterbacks. This is a battle of passing offenses. That's the matchup here. Oregon's rushing attack is important. It gives them an advantage in terms of build and capability than Washington. I think Oregon's offensive line, which Washington's offensive line is also elite, But Oregon's offensive line and having elite running backs and Jordan James and Bucky Irving behind that offensive line gives them a higher ceiling than Washington does. There are only two teams right now who I would decisively pick to beat either Ohio State or Georgia, who I think are in Tier 1B. I think Ohio State and Georgia are top four teams, just in terms of my own power rankings and sprinkling in a little bit of strength of schedule and strength of record. I think Michigan and Oregon are in a tier of their own when it comes to efficiency and dominance, and ESPN's efficiency rating will prove that. 
They're the only teams that have more than 90 points in efficiency. Michigan's sitting at about 94 points. Oregon's sitting at about 91. Those are the only two teams that I would decisively with confidence pick to beat either Ohio State or Georgia. Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon, Michigan are who I think are the four best teams in the country right now. Washington, in my mind, is sitting there right at five. And if they beat Oregon, even if it is another one-score win, Washington will have won enough tough, gritted-out games against tough physical opponents to the point where I have to say, look, you're not dominant, but you're efficient at what you do, and you're clutch, you're tough as nails, and you believe in yourself, and you do what you do pretty well. And for Oregon, a win here, 12-1, and will have solidified my own opinion of them. And if they win dominantly here, even if they're a one-loss team, I could I could put them ahead of Michigan, literally. I mean, Oregon is that dominant of a team. And the rushing attack helps their dominance. But because both of these defensive lines are physical and athletic and they're the better third of their defense, I think it will come down to who has the more effective and efficient in terms of explosive plays, touchdowns, momentum shifting moments, and also completion percentage that will determine who wins this football game. I think Oregon has a position advantage by group over Washington. I didn't think so entering the original matchup between these two teams in Seattle. I had Washington, I think, with an 8-2 to two position advantage, with everywhere but defensive back and running back being slightly Washington for the most part, but running back and defensive back leaning heavily Oregon. Right now, O-line, D-line, linebacker, they slightly favor Oregon. I think there's an argument that Washington is better in those three areas. Quarterback, I significantly lean Oregon, but it's not heavy. If you wanted to tell me that Penix, when he's healthier, if he's still dealing with an injury or when he's playing at his best, is better than Bo Nix, I'll listen to you. Oregon still has, in my mind, the far superior running back room and defensive back room. In the preseason, I had Washington by a significant margin outside of Utah and Oregon State and Oregon as the best team in the Pac-12. Right now, I think objectively that is Oregon. And that's so interesting. This matchup and these records of these two teams prove that in terms of power rankings, potential, or in actuality, the best team doesn't always win. They don't. Sometimes the best team loses. Big Ten fans are curious about watching Oregon and Washington because they're future Big Ten members, so I imagine many Big Ten fans are on here. Do you think that Michigan State was the better team than Michigan in 2021? Of course not. Michigan was much better, and they proved that when they beat Ohio State, and they proved that when they won in Indianapolis, and when they beat Penn State on the road, and when they performed at a more dominant level than Michigan State did. But rivalry games carry a different intensity. And they sometimes narrow the gap. And coaching and matchup advantages help too. Michigan's weakness in 2021 was their run defense. What was state, state's strength? 
uh, insert Kenneth Walker the third here, and he ran for five touchdowns. So matchups, styles make fights. They're not the only thing that makes a fight, but they certainly determine the outcome. And Washington had a home field advantage, a schematic advantage, a personnel advantage, and a coaching advantage against Oregon, despite the fact that Oregon was better in terms of the average on-field personnel and average recruit. It's changed a little bit since then, not entirely, but Oregon's passing attack has improved, their defense has improved. Oregon is a team that I think is peaking. Washington is a team that, to me, comes across as a unit that is trying to avoid their first loss, and there's a difference. Or a team that is willing their way to win, even though most computer models several weeks ago would have predicted them to pick up one or two losses by now. But here they are undefeated because Kalen DeBoer is an experienced winner. He's won everywhere he's went, whether he helped Indiana win with Michael Penix, Fresno State win, Washington win right now, or at his previous stops at lower-level schools. He wins. He does. And Dan Lanning right now, he's a winner. Helped Georgia win their national championship, their first since the 1980s in 2021. And he's helping Oregon right now build an SEC program, a program that I think could lead the Big Ten, that could lead that conference with Ohio State having some questions, Michigan having some questions, and Penn State having questions, and Washington and USC also having questions. Oregon is very stable right now. And not just in the short term, but in the long term, when you look at recruiting and the fact that they're going to get more money through their new TV deal with the Big Ten, Oregon as a program is peaking, not just as a team. I have to give staff to Washington because Kalen DeBoer is a more experienced coach. And in this specific instance, he's undefeated against Dan Lanning. He's beaten him twice, beat him last year, and he beat him this year despite being an underdog last season, and I think this season, I think Washington was a one-point favorite, if I remember correctly. And I think ESPN's Football Power Index, I believe, picked, I think they picked Oregon to win. But I could be wrong on that. I also think that Ryan Grubb is a better offensive coordinator than Will Stein. I have to give Tosh Lupoy the edge and his defensive staff over Washington's. But Washington's CEO and offensive staff and also their special teams are better. So I have to give them the edge at staff. Quarterback, we already talked about. I think Bo Nix is the better passer and the better athlete overall than Michael Penix Jr. But both are near elite to elite quarterbacks. In the ground game, the difference is so stark that there is not even an argument. Guess how many yards per carry Washington runs for? It's probably higher than you would expect, 4.6 yards per carry. And they have 24 rushing touchdowns, and Dylan Johnson, probably against Oregon, will hit 1,000 rushing yards in the season. Washington has ran for 1,471 rushing yards. Guess how many yards per carry Oregon rushes for? This will also surprise you, and it's probably higher than you think. 5.9 yards per carry with 31 rushing touchdowns, and they've ran for 2,276 yards. And they have this game to play in, and they have their bowl game. And depending on if their bowl game is a college football playoff semifinal and they win that, they could play for a third game. They could realistically break 3,000 rushing yards this season. 
Bucky Irving is 1,043 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Jordan James also has 10 rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 7.1 yards per carry, and he has 661 rushing yards. Oregon loves to keep their running backs healthy and give them a light load behind an elite offensive line that allows them to constantly play at 100%. It's genius. For wide receiver, these two teams, I think, are closer now than they were when they initially met up. Tez Johnson nearly has 1,000 receiving yards. Troy Franklin has 1,349 receiving yards and 14 receiving touchdowns. Both have 70 receptions or more. That's an elite wide receiver room. But for Washington, whether it's Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jeremy Bernard, Jalen McMillan, there is too much depth for me to give Oregon an edge at receiver. Jalen Polk is much like Tez Johnson. In all likelihood, in the Pac-12 championship game, these two receivers will pass 1,000 receiving yards, which means both the Huskies and the Ducks, probably regardless of the outcome of this matchup, as both passing offenses are better than both passing defenses, will have two 1,000-yard receivers. The Huskies have 4,146 receiving yards on the season and 33 receiving touchdowns. The Oregon Ducks have 4,217 receiving yards and 41 receiving touchdowns. So Oregon scores more through the air, they gain more yardage through the air, and they gain more yardage and also score more via the ground game. Again, you look at these statistics, and it's hard to argue that Washington, in terms of dominance, game control, and power rankings, is a better team than Oregon. But paper doesn't determine the outcome of a game. It doesn't. And the tight end position is pretty important, and I think that Jack Westover, Devin Culp, and Josh Huevis are a better group of tight ends than Oregon's Terrence Ferguson, Patrick Herbert, Casey Kelly, and Kenyon Sadiq. Terrence Ferguson leads tight ends with 379 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. Jack Westover has four receiving touchdowns and 328 receiving yards. Those are the leaders in those rooms. I would say those are some players to watch. The tight end position could be very important in this game as both wide receiver groups have a elite unicorn in Franklin and Adunze and a second man who would be a wide receiver one on most teams, but is a wide receiver two here in Jalen Polk for Washington and Tez Johnson for wide receiver. And then Jeremy Bernard, Gary Bryant Jr., Treshawn Holden, Jalen McMillan. Those are the, the next two down wide receivers on each team. All have very similar statistics. I think Adunze is the best wide receiver out of all receivers in this group, but I think that Washington is a larger margin of advantage at tight end than they do over Oregon at wide receiver. I think wide receiver, you could pose an argument, I think, that Oregon has the better receiving core. On defense, Oregon, I would take the Ducks defense over the Huskies defense any day. The Huskies have 19 sacks, 15 interceptions, 52 passes defended, 5 forced fumbles, and 2 fumble recoveries. The Oregon Ducks have 32 sacks, 53 passes defended, 10 interceptions, 7 forced fumbles, and 5 fumble recoveries. I would, yeah, I'd take take Oregon's defense because they can get pressure and slow down opponent rushing attacks. They're the more physical defense. They have particularly the better defensive line 
than the Washington Huskies do. And I think they have the much better secondary as well. I think that in terms of how wide the gap is between defensive positions, I think Oregon has the widest gap over Washington in defensive back, then defensive line, and then linebacker I think would be the closest. Offensive line is another area that's close, but Oregon rushes for more yards per carry, and they've only allowed five sacks on the season. Washington has allowed nine sacks on the season. The Huskies, though, are top 50 in special teams efficiency. Meanwhile, Oregon is outside the top 100 there. So special teams just go to the Huskies. Players to watch in this matchup, I just briefly talked about this a few seconds ago with the tight ends or a few minutes ago. I think it's Troy Franklin for Oregon and Michael Penix Jr. for Washington. I think that Troy Franklin, he's gotten open against Washington before early this season. Franklin has exploded. He's an All-American caliber receiver. And I'm watching out for him because I don't think that Oregon has the same depth at receiver that Washington does. I think that Washington could spread the ball all around. You don't know who's coming. Guys are open everywhere, whether it's Odunze, McMillan, Polk, Jackson, Bernard. I think Oregon's number one guy by a mile is Franklin. And I think that Franklin has deadly speed, athleticism. From what I understand, I think he's the fastest receiver on the field. I think he clocked close to a a 4-4 unofficially in one of Oregon's practices. So he's fast, he's effective, he's athletic, he's an elite player. So I'd look out for him to really get behind a Washington secondary that was horrific last season. And that's improved, but still a pretty big weakness and sensitive area for this Washington defense. Bucky Irving, Jordan James, Bo Nix, obviously players to watch. I could have listed Bo Nix here at quarterback, but I wanted to go and zoom in specifically on Troy Franklin because I think Bo Nix is going to be the obvious player to look out for. But I think Bo Nix will have less options in the passing game than Michael Penix Jr. will which means that he will have to rely more so on one man to get the job done. And I think that man is Troy Franklin. For quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. is the player to watch because he's struggled at times in the past few games. He just has. He at one point was number one in the country in quarterback efficiency rating, and he's taken a tumble. Against Washington State, he had a 53.1 QBR. He had an 84.3 QBR against Oregon State, an 86.9 QBR against Utah, a 90.3 QBR against USC, a 60.2 QBR against Stanford, and a 30.8 QBR against Arizona State. Those are the six games that Penix has had since his matchup against Oregon. And despite the fact that Oregon might have a better defense than any of those teams outside of maybe Utah when they're healthy, he's played worse against them. He's been different since that game. And I guess what I'm wondering is, can he have a elite performance against this Oregon team? Because I think if he doesn't, because Oregon's the deeper team, because it's hard to beat a good team, a team that's arguably better than yours twice, Penix will have to exceed his normal average, his normal mean of play in order for Washington to win here. Washington needs to play a higher level game, a game closer to their ceiling than Oregon in order to win. Because if both teams play to their ceiling, I will tell you, 
Oregon will win this game, and they might win it by double digits if both teams play to their ceiling. And it's due to a combination of multiple things. Oregon is the far superior rushing attack. They're deeper in the trenches at both sides of the football, and they're just more efficient, and they've been more dominant, and they've proven that in every game this season outside of their game against Texas Tech and their game against Washington. Washington's edge over this team is, I think, coaching, schematics, and the previous head-to-head win. But like I said, it's hard to beat a good team twice, and that's why I'm picking Oregon here. I picked Washington to win this game in the regular season, and with a matchup in mind, I had a hard time thinking that Washington was going to win in a matchup. But perhaps a few weeks ago, I would have more sore leaned Washington. The distance between these two teams has only grown. In fact, by power rankings, these two teams were closer together when they initially matched up. And ever since Washington won that game, Washington's declined. Oregon's continued their rise by power rankings. I love power rankings. I love analytics. The analytics point to Oregon. Oregon's no longer traveling on the road. So this will be a less hostile environment for Oregon, but a more hostile environment for Washington. I think that the Ducks are going to win. They'll win this game because of their superior defense and run game. Bo Nix will have a Heisman-level performance. I expect him to pass for anywhere from 350 to 450 yards, multiple touchdowns. I think that Washington will be able to hold Oregon's run game in check in a limited area. But Oregon will be able to run just enough to make Washington's defense uncomfortable and exploit some things. It's hard to beat the better team twice, not just a good team twice. It's hard to beat the better team twice, and Oregon's the better football team. Penix will keep Washington in striking distance, but he'll come up short. Because even if he plays his best game and plays a perfect game, I don't know if that will guarantee a Washington victory. Often when you have such a generational offense like the one that Washington has when they're functioning at peak efficiency, if the offense plays their best game, then you got to win on your hands. But I don't know if that's the case because Oregon right now has not only a better defense, they have a better offense. And with so many things, including home field advantage, shifting towards Oregon, maybe not directly in their favor, but towards Oregon since their loss in Seattle, I think the Ducks are going to take this one. I don't think it will be a blowout, though. I think that people are big on Oregon, and rightfully so, but you can't be too big on the Ducks because whether it's Dan Lanning's decision-making, whether it's the fact that Washington knows how to beat these guys because they've won for two games in a row now, they're undefeated against Lanning at Oregon, I wouldn't be all that shocked if Washington somehow comes out with a win because they find ways to win. And for the Oregon Ducks, they faced adversity against Texas Tech and they faced adversity against Washington. Against every other team, they have pounded into submission. And I wonder that if this game is close, if that more so benefits Washington than it does Oregon, but I'm taking the Ducks to win. I'm not taking them to cover. I'm not going that far, but I think they will win and they will punch their ticket to the college football playoff. Depending on all the chaos that happens or that could happen, maybe we get two Pac-12 teams into the college football playoff, get two 12-1 Pac-12 teams 
that would be very sweet to see, and I would definitely root for that to happen. Thank you all so much for watching this video. I want to give a special shout-out to my Patreon members. Thanks to Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg for being Heisman patrons. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverter for being All-American patrons. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being All-Conference patrons. These, again, are all for the month of November. New patrons will be updated in December. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.